Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast, where we're here to share late-breaking news and thoughtful insights about all the topics in the rapidly expanding world of residential energy ratings to all the stakeholders in the ResNet ecosystem. Whether you're a housing consumer, rater, builder, realtor, or appraiser, you want to hear about the evolving trends in home energy ratings. The Cross-Border Challenge is an annual event sponsored by ResNet and the Canadian Residential Energy Services Network, or CRESNET. This recognizes U.S. and Canadian builders who are pioneering the path to high-energy performance homes. What are the key qualities embody? in the winner of the 2022 Cross-Border Challenge. What are the underlying philosophies, processes, and passions that create homes that truly customers desire? Today in ResTalk, we're joined by Paul Earhart, President, and Stefan Arenda, Chief Technology Officer, both of Mandalay Builders in Prescott Valley, Arizona, to learn about their award-winning business. In addition to reviewing the entry and judging requirements for the award, we get a peek inside the processes and philosophies at play in Mandalay Builders, systems that create this award-winning, passionate business that delivers for its consumers and customers. In 2021, Mandalay's winning score in this cross-border challenge was an average HERS index score of 20. More importantly, Mandalay has a passion for building homes that promote safety, health, comfort, style, reduce energy costs, as well as less environmental impact. We hear how Mandalay is committed to being an industry leader in innovation and thoughtful design while utilizing cutting-edge technology to create high-performance homes. There's a link in the show notes so you can learn more about what Mandalay does and how they do it. But let's listen in as Paul and Stefan describe to us how Mandalay Builders leads the path to high-energy performance homes by winning the 2022 ResNet Cross-Border Challenge. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hello. Good afternoon. Paul, why don't you start out? You're the president of Mandalay. Give us an overview of the company as a whole on some of your philosophy for how you do business. Well, Mandalay is a private builder headquartered in Prescott, Arizona. Our owner and our founder is Dave Everson, and we build single-family homes throughout Northern Arizona. So our primary markets are Prescott, and then we also build in Clarkdale, Arizona, and Flagstaff, Arizona. And the company had its origins in the Phoenix area. Dave started the company quite a few years ago there, and then over time migrated to Northern Arizona. And from early on, Dave had a philosophy and an objective to be a sustainable builder, to solve the tensions between cost and what the consumer wants and understands and a sustainable home. And so today, every home we build features a number of core aspects, whether it's the insulation or the solar panels or other aspects of the construction, all with the goal to financially, successfully, and sustainably build single-family homes for our customers that suit their lifestyles. So our homes, the architecture tends to be modern, but the floor plans and the way they live is not compromised by what we do on the sustainability front. It's enhanced by what we do on the sustainability front. 
And we build about 225 homes a year and expect that to grow. We're in strong growth markets of Northern Arizona. Our customers tend to be either an active adult who's relocating to that area, maybe no longer working or working remotely or part-time. That's a major segment of our buyers. And then another significant number of our buyers are what I would say are move up. They're coming. They're not new families. They're not first-time buyers. They're moving up into a larger home or a bit more luxurious home. And we build in master plan communities, in particular, a community called Jasper in Prescott, Arizona, as our sort of our flagship development. Very comprehensive overview. Stefan Arenda, you're the chief technology officer, I understand. Tell me what that role entails. I've been with Mandalay for about 10 years, and I started in the marketing. And I gradually, being able to explain what we do to customers, you kind of have to know exactly what we do. So it just evolved into taking over the chief technology officer role. And essentially, my job is to make sure that we continue to build, hit our targets, our numbers, and do it as efficiently as possible, because it can be more costly to build an energy efficient home. So you always have to make sure that you're making the right choices and combining the right technologies to keep that cost down. And you definitely have to be building efficiently. You got to make sure that you're making the most out of every material that you have, which also lends itself to the sustainability side is that you can't waste when you're building these homes. So that's kind of my role is making sure that we are building to our targets and doing it as efficiently as possible, constantly improving processes and looking into the technologies and the processes and techniques that we're going to need to hit future goals. That's pretty much my role at this point. So that must involve a lot of details in planning and communication. I mean, communication internally too, is that correct? Yes. Communication between our trades, our construction crews, our field. I do a lot of training with people, building out processes and finding out where there are communication barriers, making sure that we're giving information back and forth to our trades and our energy raters and everyone so that we're not getting stuck on anything. And with the changing materials and everything right now, there's always, you have to keep on top of like supply and all of that. So. Exactly. Let's go back to Paul and learn a little bit about an award that you recently achieved, a, a HERS-related award, a HERS cross-border challenge, am I correct, ResNet? Yes, we received the award based on the average HERS scores of the homes that we delivered in 2021. It was a competitive process amongst builders in the U.S. and Canada, so we're proud and pleased to have been the award winner. Our average HERS rating of the homes we built was 20. And we build homes all the way down to net zero homes. Essentially, we have a standard design of our homes that includes solar energy generation. And then we have options with customers that can expand the amount of solar panels, the amount of energy generation through to having a sun and battery in the home and allows the home buyer to get to a net zero. So this wasn't a one-off. This award measuring ourselves against the HERS index, designing our homes against the HERS index is business as usual for us. And so it has been for many years and continues to be so. And we're focused on both the frontier of driving down the overall energy consumption of the homes. We're also now looking at water consumption. We've always been sensitive to it, building in Arizona, of course, 
but we've started to look at some alternatives to capture rainwater for reuse or other ways to further reduce the footprint of the home from a water consumption point of view. And then kind of another frontier that we're thinking about is the HER score is focused on the energy efficiency of the home as it's operated, as it's occupied. Can we look at the carbon impact of building the home and either reduce or offset some of those? So looking upstream for the construction of the home, as well as what we've always done, which is look at the efficiency of the home as it's occupied. Very good. Going back to Stefan, you talked about being in the marketing role and explaining what customers must need to know. In your process, you have to communicate this technology, the techniques, the things that you're doing that are different. And maybe Paul can help answer this too. Is it a give and take? Are they coming to you with questions or are you offering to them options? It really starts it with the website and the sales office. We've learned a lot of stuff over the years as to what the level of tolerance the consumer has for the technical aspect of things. And we've arranged our marketing and everything in such a way that we're guiding them down that road. I mean, ultimately, they're going to fall in love with the home, the design, the look of the home and the location first. So the first thing is if they fall in love with the home, then they're going to want to know more. And we've just arranged everything, how our website flows, in particular our at our Jasper community when we launched it. We wiped out everything. There were no signs or anything, no marketing collateral in our offices. We basically had customers come in and we talked to them. We followed them around. We saw how they went through the homes, what they wanted to know. And then we started building signage and everything. So essentially the goal was to give them the information, the common information that they were going to be asking for every single visit for the most part in the models. But then also give them teasers. So by the time they get back to the sales office, they know if a den can be turned into a bedroom. So they don't have to ask that. But they're going to go, what was that big black box sitting in the laundry room? And then we can start talking about energy storage and the energy efficiency and the indoor air quality. So we've learned that we've kind of mapped out what the consumer is going to ask, what we don't want to have repetitive conversations about. They shouldn't have to ask those questions and found a more efficient way to guide them to learning about the details of the house. Because like I said, if they come back from the models and they love that house, and then they find out how energy efficient it is and the indoor air quality, it's like, it's a no brainer. Yeah. They've sold it to themselves. (laughs) Yeah. They're carrying that with them for the rest of their home search that day. And our goal is that the home we build, there really isn't a comparison to it. It's just an amazing house. And if you love it already, the decision is kind of made for you. <laughs> I think I would add to that that while we have to educate and show the value, and it's not always economic, right? Some of it is what's my electric bill? What would it be? What will it be? Somebody looking at just dollars and cents. Many, many of our buyers have a bigger picture view or a little bit altruistic picture in their minds of they want to do this. The cost benefit is great, but it's not the end all be all. They're looking at the desire to live in a home with the benefit for the environment and the benefit for themselves the home can offer. And then we have some consumers who actually lead us a little or push us a little. In the last year, I can think of a few instances where for us having an EV charger in the garage, of course, 
where they said, well, wait a minute, I have three EVs. I'm buying the three-car garage. I want to charge all the car. I don't have a gas car. So how does this work? And can you handle the draw? And I know we've had at least one customer said, I've ordered the new Ford F-150 Lightning. I'll be able to plug that in and can empower the house, correct? And we've had to scratch our heads and say, actually, we need to figure that out. I don't know if the way we build the electric panel today is suitable for that, but we'll figure that out. So sometimes there's some amazingly forward-thinking customers who walk in and mention or ask those questions, which then turn into jobs for Stefan to say, let's go figure this out. How would we do this for a guy with an F-150 Lightning? Or how would we do this? Or what's the draw if somebody has multiple electric vehicles? So it's a positive. We view that as, okay, excellent. You're pushing us. We hadn't dealt with that question before. Yeah. And it's happening more and more is definitely the consumer is far more educated on every aspect of it than they were, I would say, even three years ago. In particular with indoor air quality, there's consumers have come to us more and more because of our indoor air quality. But with the solar, there's hardly any questions about solar anymore. Everyone knows what it does. Energy storage is pretty straightforward for people. So we can cut to the chase and just get to the fact that like our homes require 60% fewer solar panels. That's why there's so few on the roof because the home's so energy efficient from the beginning. So yeah, the consumer is definitely becoming more and more educated and there's a lot less rudimentary discussion happening in the sales office. And there's a lot more detailed discussion, which is another aspect of the marketing and sales is that we have pretty comprehensive training regiments for our sales team so that they can answer those questions as deep as the customer needs to get. It sounds like you're perhaps that sweet spot of number of projects per year, size of the business with being able to be pushed or nudged by the consumers. That's an interesting place to be in. And it sounds like a very thoughtful process of watching the consumers traverse through the properties to understand what's on their mind. So you can think like they can and predict what they might be interested in and then present yourselves in that way. Where's that stemming from? That's a very interesting perspective. Paul, maybe you can answer that. You're asking in terms of the consumer, where is that? Yeah. I mean, you're, the consumer awareness sounds like that's like front and center to the way you go about business. I think that the consumer, just broadly speaking, is much more aware from whether it's their employment or the news or just general awareness of environmental concerns and concerns for their footprint that they put down by their home that they're going to occupy. So I think they come in more aware or more open to those topics. I think that we have a lot of word of mouth that someone who's interested comes to see a Mandalay home and we're able to demonstrate immediately the construction materials or techniques or equipment that we're including around energy efficiency and air quality. And so it's this virtuous cycle, I guess, back and forth. There are customers who come in and are somewhat skeptical. It's not that every person comes in fully educated and pushing us on things like we just discussed. And a number of them, how I say this delicately, the older demographic, the more experienced demographic. People with more calendars under their belt. People with more calendars under their belt maybe are not so much looking at advancing it. They tend to look at it more economics. So what am I saving? How much more am I paying? And for us, these things are standard. They're in the base price. We do have certain options to add the battery, for example. But we don't start out with a stripped down house and say, 
well, if you want an ERV in the attic, if you want the whole house spray foam insulation, those are options. Those are Mandalay standards. We don't build houses without them. So we build a very efficient home. There's maybe a little more education there. There's maybe a little more focus on the cost benefit, but that is a smaller and smaller demographic. The younger buyer, the move up buyer, the buyer who maybe is coming from out of state, from the West Coast, from California or someplace, they seem pretty aware. And it's really, it's not convincing them of the merit of what we're doing. It's like Stefan said, it more is getting into the details. They're walking in saying, I understand you build highly energy efficient homes. Just tell me exactly what kind of bills I could expect or tell me exactly how this battery works or tell me how my F-150 can power the house if the power goes down for several days beyond the battery capacity. It's already moving into those kind of detailed discussions pretty quickly. So they're getting it, I think, from just their general lifestyle outside of buying their home. Yeah. Also, a lot of our customer, how we approach customers comes directly from our owner, Dave Everson. He's very focused on the customer. I often have conversations where I talk to customers. I'm like, there's no huge benefit to building a HERS zero or a HERS 25 home for the home builder. We could build HERS 50 all day long because we've basically mastered that and still be leading the industry in a lot of ways. We build 25 and zero because that is what Dave wants to deliver the customer. The reason our indoor air quality is what it is and the reason we've added a whole other layer of air purification on top of award-winning indoor air quality is because Dave's focus is the customer delivering the absolute best home that we possibly can. but as a business, there's that challenge of how do you do that <laughs> in the most cost-effective, efficient way possible? And that's where the fun for working with Manly Homes is, is that there's that challenge. So you've got this big goal and it's just like, okay, how do we get there and still be profitable and successful and consistent? From a technology standpoint, do you find the consumer needs, it sounds like you're dealing with generally very educated consumer base, but do you have to have some turnover in training or discussion as to how to run it? Sometimes the technology can daunt some people. Are there any turnover instructions that you give to the consumer? There are. And actually, Paul and I were just involved in a market study recently where we talked to homeowners that were in homes for a while. And it is, and it's something that we've been talking about for a while and we're constantly trying to improve on is that we realize that the home is becoming more and more technical and everything does work together, but the homeowner does have to have that education as to like how it works together. Like for example, the energy return to or the ERV, it's like a lot of homeowners, like we can tell them it's a fresh air exchange system. We can explain to them how it's a recovery, energy recovery, if they want to go down that path. But it's one of those things where we found that many homeowners, after being in the home for a while, it got turned off at some point. And there is that level of education where they do need to understand that the home is a whole system. You can't turn a component of it off with and the rest of it work efficiently. And we're realizing more and more, and we're trying to develop tools to do that, where the homeowner is aware. And then you also have the other factor, that someone sells that home the next person in line is going to need that education as well. 
you can't just build the home and walk away from it. And that's one of the things that we've been working on recently is building out programs and systems that would support the home over a longer period of time from owner to owner. Because if you're building a HERS 25 home, you want it to be performing at HERS 25 for as long as it possibly can. We've had this idea that is there a way we could efficiently, easily monitor the power bills of every home, the electricity consumption? One, we might learn about which plans are more or less efficient, but maybe something that could flag to us and say, Mr. and Mrs. Jones on lot seven, their electric bill is $50 a month when everyone else in that floor plan with the same solar is $5 a month. Something's wrong. They've misunderstood their programmable thermostat. They've either done something or failed to do something, or they're operating something, or their battery software is not current, or that type of thing. So we have been thinking about how do we monitor or educate, and it's not elaborate. I mean, this isn't educate like they need to take a 10-hour class. Right. You need some signals delivered from the house to the consumer. Yes. But is there a way to flag things or alert them to that, hey, your house is not running as efficiently as it should? And it sounds simple. And to me, it seems like it should be simple. If we could monitor the water meter and the electric meter and somehow capture that data and have software just flag anomalies, right there, you'd probably find the two or 3% that are way off track. But it is a little more complex than what maybe a consumer is used to. Or it's not 100% automatic. They can't set it and forget it the rest of their life. There is some care, just like anything else in a home. Right. Or like a vehicle, care and maintenance that's required to keep things operating optimally. Stefan, could you get into details of how you achieve that excellent IAQ? Just a few points. I don't necessarily think it was a goal in the beginning. It just so happened that if you want to get to in a certain level of energy efficiency, the home has to be tight. So because air leakage is a massive energy leak. So just as a result of, I actually, I think we were the very first production home builder to basically use this aerobarrier product. It's an aerosolized sealant. We were the first builder to use it. And that was a huge turning point for us because it brought the our ACH or our air exchanges per hour on the home down to levels that at the time, no other home builder could achieve. And people have caught up to us now, but we just keep moving a little further ahead. So I think right now our average ACH on a home is about 0.7. Whoa, that's (laughs) impressive. Yeah, that's our average final. It's between like 0.7 and 0.8 is our target. But when you get to that level of air tightness, obviously, you have to bring in fresh air. So that's where the ERV came in. So we have the fresh air exchange. And then it just so happened that as a result of making the home as tight as possible for energy efficiency and then having to compensate for the climate control and the fresh air exchange and controlling humidity, that the air quality in the home improved. And because the home was so tight, we're basically implementing all the technologies that were needed to get those DA and or Air Plus awards. But then It's just the culture of Mandalay Homes is if you figure out like how to do something that's good and you can do it efficiently and sustainably, then it's like, well, how much further can we push it? So it was last year or the year before. I think it was the year that we launched Jasper that we actually brought in a product called a Remy Halo. And it's a charged ion air purification system that goes in the plenum for the HVAC system. 
And it's LED, so it's super efficient. It doesn't produce any ozone, so you don't get that metallic-y smell in the air that you get with a lot of these UV air purification systems. So it was like, it was just one of those things that we had planned on doing, and it just happened to coincide with the pandemic. So it was one of those things where it's like, we started putting this in because ERV brings in fresh air. So you've got that covered. It does a lot of the filtration. So you've got particulates and everything filtered out. But we wanted to also cover like microorganisms and things like that. So that's why we brought in the rimming halo as well. And again, it was just one of those things. It's like, well, we're here. How can we make it better? And how can we do that as efficiently as possible? And I think those are examples where we were, as Stefan laid out, we were after the indoor air quality, but there was a couple of unintended consequences in a good way, unexpected benefits that maybe we didn't think of, which is number one, the homes are extremely quiet. So when you're in our homes, the sound and the vibrations throughout the home, it's extremely quiet because of all of the sealed environment and so forth. And the other thing with those filtration systems, the home is extremely clean. Like the amount of just general dust in the house is far less than what you would normally experience. And we didn't necessarily set out to let's reduce the amount of dust in a home and let's reduce the amount of noise. It was, wow, when you walk in this home, it's cleaner (laughs) and it's much quieter than a typical home. Those are side benefits or seemingly side benefits, but are actually benefits a homeowner really appreciates and really notices. Very much comfort issues. You get control over the air, you get control over the sound, you get control over what comes in the air, and also the air leakage for heating and cooling. Very good. Any particular things you've done for the energy efficiency, the wall construction, Stefan, you want to talk about? Basically, we do spray foam insulation on all exterior walls, and we're targeting R23, I believe, and then we're targeting about R33, 30 to 33 in the attic space. But again, once you hit a certain level of air tightness, the R value is somewhat inconsequential. So the spray foam is just one of those things where I was talking about, I mentioned earlier, is where you have to find these offsets for cost. So aero barrier is not an inexpensive process. So in order to reduce the amount of materials needed, but it's critical to our air tightness, but in order to reduce the amount of materials needed for that aero barrier, we had to find a way to pre-seal the house. Spray foam is not that expensive of a process. So if we can seal as much of the house as possible with spray foam first, that reduces the amount of aero barrier that we need on the back end, which makes aero barrier an affordable process to do in a production environment. So that's how we approach the spray foam is it's the first layer of air sealing. And then we also have our exterior sheathing. I can't remember how thick it is, but yeah. So we have exterior sheathing, the spray foam insulation, then the aero barrier on top of that, which I categorize as an insulation. So that's the envelope of the home is sealed with that. And then of course, part of building an energy efficient home that is also like as Paul was mentioning earlier is, is we don't compromise on anything. That's actually one of our company mandates is that nothing that we do to achieve a level of energy efficiency can affect the design or the livability of the home. The home has to be beautiful first and foremost, because if it's not, the rest of it is, it's basically you're fighting against the box It's a super efficient box, but it's still a box. But if you build a beautiful home with no compromise, then you don't have to fight that. You're going to fall in love with the home. 
So windows are a huge part of what we do. There's a lot of windows in our homes. So that means having to find extremely efficient windows, UV-coated, dual-pane, argon-filled. Then also, because we have we offer a lot of large sliders and things like that, we've used structure or architectural shading on like our back patio. So all of our homes have extended. They would be considered extended to an average home. Sure, but not to yours. <laughs> yeah, but that's because we need to be able to shade those huge glass walls. So you're not having an issue with energy efficient there. Our front doors are inset rather deep for the same reason, to keep the sun off of them. So it's this marriage of everything when it comes down to it. And especially with the just the general envelope of the home that the spray foam insulation and the exterior sheathing and the aero barrier is really, that's the first thing we have to get right. And that affects the framing. So you don't want as much heat conducting into the house. You want less wood on the outside. So you need more cavity space for spray foam. So your framing has to change to accommodate that. So you have less wood in the house, which also ends up lending to the sustainability and the cost effectiveness of the build is that you reduce lumber, then you reduce cost, but you also increase the efficiency and the comfort of the home because now there's less lumber to conduct heat in. There's less lumber to conduct sound in. You've got more insulation in the wall for the, as Paul was saying, for a quieter home. Is this one of these things where you can't just apply a specific technology? It is a marriage of every single component. And it's a lot of testing and R&D. And it's a lot of stuff working together to get there. Yeah, it's not just widget implementation. You really, truly understand house design as a system. And you get that feedback. It sounds like there's a tremendous feedback loop that's coming in and you continue to mature and excel in the way you do this. Very good. Very good, gentlemen. And that's, I think, why these are standards. These aren't options. So we're not gluing on <laughs> to some floor plan to say, hey, let's just throw a solar option out there or let's throw some insulation option. You wouldn't achieve the full effect. You wouldn't achieve all the benefits and you would have maybe more operational complexity if some houses you're building one way and some you're building another. For us, the aero barrier is every house. The production cadence in a subdivision is X homes a week. The aerial barrier is spraying X homes a week from now until eternity. So there's efficiency. It's not like, well, call the aero barrier guy and see if he can come out because the Smiths bought aero barrier on their house and no one else did. For us, it's just core. It's standard. It's just like pouring the driveway or putting the shingles on. And so not only does the design all work together, but operationally building the homes, every home is the same with respect to having those features, those construction techniques. The expectations of your crews, your trades are all in alignment because this is the Mandalay way. Right. Very good. Sort of feel like we summarized things <laughs> right there in those last few sentences, but I want to offer you the chance first, Stefan, and then Paul after that to give us a recap and your closing thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I think for one of the things that we didn't touch on, but it's kind of a core thing for us is that it is about the consumer, but also there is an element to what we do in our participation in like the awards from the Department of Energy, the EPA, this cross-border challenge with Kresna and all of that stuff is that, yes, we want to deliver the best possible home that we can for the consumer. And that's our passion. But at the same time, we're not a massive national builder. 
And a lot of what we do is with the consumer education and industry participation is, is to encourage that, is we want everyone to build this. We don't want to be chased. We want people catching up to us. Because if the more builders doing this, the better it is for everyone. Every consumer gets a better home. We reduce energy consumption from residential structures across the board. So a lot of what we do is that focus of making sure that what we're doing, because we're set up to do the R&D and the testing, whereas like a lot of other builders may not be. We can constantly improve a home over the course of the building of a section of a community. Whereas most builders, they have to build a plan and then they crank that plan out. We can do the testing for them. And it's like, here's what we do. And that's with the cross-border challenge. I think that's what the core of it was, is that it's a friendly competition between Canada's pants and the United States' hat. It's like, we're doing this. Let's see what you can do. Your builders should step up. So that is a part of it. And I think that's a critical component to this, is just getting more and more people on board with this, showing that it is you can build a more efficient home, a healthier home, and still be very profitable because the consumer wants it. And the more they want it, the more profitable it's going to be, the more sustainable it's going to be. So I think that's a big part of what we do. And it's the fun part of it. So, And as they experience it, the word of mouth feeds back and it pushes the more demand. Paul, closing thoughts. Yeah, I think that on that theme, the consumers coming to us, meaning the consumer's knowledge base and sophistication, the trend line is towards what we're delivering today. And we're not a one-off. I mean, in our market, there's two or three other builders who now have some of the same features and specifications in their homes, because as we set the benchmark and the standard, they know they've got to follow it. And I think they also recognize the consumer awareness and trend line is coming this way. So I think that's all good. We kind of mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, we're trying to think about how can you optimize beyond just the individual house? So as we improve, improve, improve an individual home and its efficiency operating and being occupied, can we improve the environmental impact of building the house, less waste? Can we reuse materials? Are there things on those fronts? And then the other one, which I don't have an answer to, but we've been kicking around, is how do you get some network effect? Like if you have a subdivision with 100 homes and 10 homes are generating surplus power and 10 homes are pulling a deficit, can we somehow balance that within the subdivision or within the batteries within the subdivision? Or is there some sort of network efficiency? I don't know the answer, but are there things beyond optimizing an individual home that are optimizing a subdivision. And we're very involved in the master planning of new phases and new communities with some landowners. Are there layouts in the subdivision or are there design features in the subdivision that maybe also can benefit the ultimate home energy or water efficiency? So it's trying to think beyond just the blueprints of plan one, two, three going on lot 10. Is there some sort of network effect or some sort of network benefit that can be realized if those homes communicated or work together in some way. And I guess the last thing I would say, which we've mentioned, is just our homes are not a compromise for the consumer. They are more comfortable. They are have cleaner air. They are quieter. They are more energy efficient than a typical home. So it's all benefit. It's not as if we say, we'll get you a net zero 
but it's going to be uncomfortable or the home is going to be an awkward floor plan or you're not going to have a big patio with big sliding doors going out to it to enjoy the view of Arizona or to enjoy the outdoor living. You're not compromising on those things. We're trying to deliver actually a superior lifestyle for the homeowner with these features. It's not a sacrifice in some way to get to the energy savings. You can have both. Yeah, these are really homes from the future. Yeah. Excellent. Gentlemen, really engaging discussion here. We spent more time than we thought. <laughs> we got into it. That's cool. Yes. I want to thank you for coming on the Res Talk podcast. And I hope our listeners enjoyed and got some things out of this. We'll have some notes in the show notes and some links for you to get in touch with Mandalay. And we hope that this transforms your way of thinking to think more about homes as a system, thinking beyond, and homes not as a compromise when they're built. Thanks again, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Res Talk podcast. You can learn more about all the things that ResNet does by going to resnet.us or following ResNet on Facebook or Twitter. A quote for today by Michael Schumacher. Once something is a passion, the motivation is there. If you're interested in feeding back to ResNet on what you heard here today, would like to hear a new topic covered or just have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet.us. And if you've not subscribed to the podcast, please do so. And as always, thank you for listening to Res Talk. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spone and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes or the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk. Talk.